Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our handle is Critics Pod. Uh, listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Please leave us a five-star review over at Apple Podcasts. And if you write a review, we'll read it on the air. And patreon.com slash criticspod is the best way to help support the podcast. And then our T Public I, link is over yeah. at IHateCritics.net. Go ahead, Sean. By the way, you know, we've got the uh, Friday the 13th episode where it's uh, Jeff and I doing a commentary on Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is being re-released on the big screen by Fathom Events this weekend. Uh, you can see it on Friday uh, across the country. Uh, and uh, do check that out. Uh, and uh, be, be sure to listen to the episode. Take headphones with you. You know, take like some <laughs> take, take some AirPods with you. Yeah. You put the podcast on while you're watching it. <laughs> there you go. I might see if I can talk my son into going. <laughs> I will go it's with. So I love it. that movie. <clears throat> so worth it. Because, like, yeah, Jeff, you, Jeff totally, totally won me over to that movie. The movie itself won me over a lot. But, like, Jeff really put it in perspective for me to really bring me around on Friday the 13th. It's, it's just one of the best slasher movies. I mean, you know, before Jason, before Freddy, you know, it just sets the stage so well, even... I th- I like it. I like it better than Halloween, even though I know that that's blasphemy to a lot of people. No, I think it's way better than Halloween. <laughs> you hate Halloween. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I think Halloween's bad. Uh, but uh, I mentioned that only because it's it's a Patreon exclusive until the next actual Friday the Thirteenth date. So you have to get Which on the Patreon October. to actually actually listen to the Friday the Thirteenth episode. Yep. You don't want to wait till October. Trust me. Because that's a good that's right. shot. I'll forget. all right sean where can people get your movie reviews uh vocal.media you can search my name there and geeks.media i've got uh, a review of an american werewolf in london going up hopefully tonight and jeff where can people find your art jefflassiter.com excellent and all my links are there you should go buy some prints for me. I'm going to drop some new stuff this week for Scream. Awesome. All right. And all those links are in our show notes, by the way. All right, let's get on to the meat of our episode, and we will start with the cocaine bear. <laughs> Speaking of meat. <laughs> <laughs> cocaine bear uh, stars, a number, uh, stars an all-star cast, really, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Tells the sort of true story that t- took place in the 1980s about, uh, well, this actually did happen. The cocaine was tossed out of a plane, ended up uh, in front of a bear. A bear ate it. The bear died in that story. But in this story, they're having a much more fun here. And this movie really gets off to a terrific start because we like, I think it's uh, Jane by uh, Jefferson Star- Jefferson Airplane that kicks off the movie. And there's a guy just dancing. He's clearly high on cocaine. He's whipping bags of cocaine out the plane. And then he just goes to jump out of the plane. He's going to crash it to cover up the fact that he's dumping cocaine out of it. And he just hits his head and falls to his death. It is a phenomenal, like, 
black comedy scene and sets the perfect tone for this movie for the rest of the way. Uh, then we're introduced to a bunch of different uh, characters who are going to encounter the the uh, cocaine bear as the movie goes along. Some of them will be eaten. Some of them will maybe escape and uh, some will just maybe lose a limb or something. Uh, it's really terrific, though. I had such a great time. I don't think this movie necessarily lives up entirely to the hype, but it lives up to enough of the hype that I had. A, I really enjoyed it. I thought the gore effects were great. I thought Elizabeth Banks really nailed the horror comedy tone, which we'll talk about later with another movie that fa- fails miserably at that. Uh, the horror comedy tone here is just, it's broad in terms of the characters, but then it's very, like, serious about, you know, just how to destroy those characters, mutilate them with a bear. I thought that was terrific. Uh, overall, yeah, I just had a great time watching this. And I think the, the only thing that was really holding me back was, like, dark memories of, like, Snakes on a Plane, where I was, like, really going into Snakes on a Plane, thinking that movie was going to be transcendently stupid, and, and and gross and fun and it wasn't it was just that one line that uh, isn't even that great a line in the context of the film get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane even in the context it just kind of falls flat here everything just sort of hits at just a, just the right level to make this work i i had fun i i recommend it jeff oh my god this was so much fun <laughs> i I went the first show on Thursday evening and it was fairly packed for a five o'clock on Thursday and everybody, the, the energy was so good because it was just, everybody was there for it and not, you know, there was nobody like, Oh my God, this is so stupid. Like you do get, (laughs) yeah. Um, I, I hate it when I go to a movie and people are talking, but Everybody was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, talking to each other about the movie, not about just like what they're going to have for dinner after or whatever. So it was Mm -hmm. like really fun. Um, The soundtrack was amazing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When they the needle drop on Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode during during the ambulance kill. Oh, my God. It was like, yeah, yes, yes. and it's funny because I, I did go, I, like I said I was going to do last time, I did go back and watch the rest of Ant-Man that I missed. And I had to go to the bathroom and since I'd already seen it, I got up in the middle of the movie and I'm walking by the Cocaine Bear Theater and I hear dun, 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 dun. And I was like, oh, I want to go back and watch that again. <laughs> um, I mean, the I like I didn't realize that was Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, just the way everybody, Margot Martindale, come on, who doesn't mm-hmm. want to see a movie with her and a bear attack? And th- I just the gore alone mm. during that scene. <laughs> and I can't, I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who does all the customer service videos who played the EMT. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy who he's like, oh, you want to speak to my manager? Well, I don't have a manager. I I don't even care about this job. That guy. Aaron Perfection. Holiday. Perfection. Uh, no, actually, that was uh, uh, the guy with the mustache, not the not the stoner guy who hooks up with the drug dealers. <laughs> that was Aaron Holiday, I know, because I always thought he was hot on Euphoria. Um, just the, the like the character work in this alone. It's just like I mean, I, the only person that was like serious 
about what they were doing, like really, really serious was Ray Liotta. But that's exactly who had to be the most serious about it. Everybody <laughs> like all in Aaron Reich. And you've seen if you've seen the, any movie in the last six months, you've seen the uh, trailer for it. where He's like the bear fucking ate cocaine. The bear <laughs> did cocaine. He knows what he's in. And <clears throat> him and <clears throat> O'Shea Jackson Jr. are they are just the perfect pair. And I wish I want to see them like in buddy cop movies. I want to see them in, you know, horror movies, everything, you name it. They were just really good together. I can't say enough good things about cocaine bear. Yeah. I took my entire family to it. Uh, (laughs) We were going to just do a date night and my son begged and begged and begged. And like, you can't even get through anything with even a little bit of gore. You're not able to handle this. So, I made him watch Zombieland, and he don't. I don't think he actually watched it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, if you can get through this, you can go. But anyway, my daughter wanted to go on a date with her boyfriend, and he wanted to go see this too. <laughs> so we set them in a different side of the theater, and my son ran out of the theater twice, which sucked. <laughs> so I had to go get mm-hmm. him. But I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still could see what was going on, but I was slightly distracted. That said. There's nothing wrong with this movie at all. Everybody's perfectly cast. Everybody knows what movie they're in. Elizabeth Banks knows what she's doing. Uh, Ray Liotta's great. I mean, everybody is great. Every, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I do kind of agree with Sean. It doesn't quite live up to the expectations, but I don't know that you can. It's, yeah, absolutely great point. The idea is so great that... Uh, you're never going to touch the idea, but they did such a good job of making it fun and watchable. And then you throw in the fact that we watched it the same week as army of darkness. That's not fair either. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was, I, I mean, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I'm glad. I, I don't know if it's a hit or not. Uh, I can't, it is. That's good. Uh, I'm glad Elizabeth Banks has a hit. Cause she's definitely a perfectly fine director. And I, I mean, you just calling it, you know, Elizabeth Banks film this is not a movie you put so and so film in front of I thought that was funny <laughs> you know she you know that like this is her sense of humor <clears throat> yep da- like just down to a T and I can just I can picture her laughing maniacally behind the camera every time they do something like <laughs> drag somebody across concrete you know that mm-hmm. oh that was the best part <laughs> I had finally got him back into the theater just right around the time where that was happening. <laughs> so it was perfect mm. uh, I got to say, my, my, my favorite performance in the movie, though, is uh, Christian Convery, the little kid, the little boy. Uh, his delivery, his lie delivery a couple of times where he just mentions the bear having, like, having seen what he saw and just being completely changed by it. Or him and Brooklyn Prince like doing cocaine, like, eating cocaine. Oh my god. I, I thought that's that's bold. Like that is, yeah, she's she's definitely pushing here and oh, I yeah. loved I loved it. it. It worked for me. That was really funny. They were ter- they had terrific when, chemistry. And when he gets the line cocaine bear, I was like oh, finally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that's like that's like nailing the snakes on a plane line that they fail in snakes on a plane, like him getting yeah. to say cocaine bear. <laughs> well, it just I mean, I knew that was happening, that those because they keep talking about the kids doing coke and the, all the interviews leading up to this. But I, I just kind of assumed it was going to be on accident. 
I didn't think they'd actually <laughs> be trying to do it for real, which made it that much more funny. Yeah. When she put that big scoop of Coke in her mouth, I was like, oh, she, there, she's not coming back from this. And then she spit it out, most of it out. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, because that's going to kill a child. That <laughs> much cocaine is going to kill a child. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. I've never even seen cocaine in person. So I, I don't really <laughs> Wait, you, you guys didn't get the free bag of Coke when you when you go into the movie? <laughs> I brought mine, uh, so they wouldn't give me any. What, <laughs> what side of town were you on, Jeff? <laughs> uh, I saw this in some guy's garage on the west end of Davenport. <laughs> That explains it. <laughs> no, it really I, is I, a lot of fun. It's so much fun, and the bear looks phenomenal. I, I got. I think yeah. that the whole ambulance sequence, when once the ambulance gets there to the ambulance leaving, is a terrific piece of horror comedy. Like just every beat of that is great. The discovery of the bear. The blood flowing underneath the door. Margot Martindale just completely tra- <laughs> traumatized in the other room. Like, and then, and then, just finishing that with her horrific death is just wow. So yeah. amazing! What a great sequence. It's one of my favorite sequences of the movie this year. While showing you a lot of that in the trailer, you know they do such a great job with the trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. Showing you just enough and still outperforming the trailer with that scene. Uh, a lot of times, a lesser movie would have you would have been fine with the trailer, but this is this part. That part was great. Did you guys see what Carrie Russell said about this? I did. <laughs> what did she say? I posted that on her Facebook page. Oh, that's where I read it. Okay, yeah, tell him, Sean. And then you. Oh, <laughs> uh, just. Why the fuck not? Like she was asked oh, why she wanted yeah. to do a movie called Cocaine Why would you Barry? do this movie? Yeah. Why the fuck not? <laughs> Fucking bear doing cocaine. That sounds like great fun. <laughs> well, I, I see you, this being a rewatchable movie too. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm glad that I'm glad that the kid got away. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad that Aaron Holiday's character got away because <laughs> he was so funny. Just the like the look on his face when Alden Ehrenreich is stuck under the bear, <laughs> and he's just like, "Can you breathe? <laughs> yes, I can breathe. I think my fa- I, it's a girl. How do you know? My its <laughs> vagina is on my face. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I'm in." Somebody goes, oh, don't spoil it for me. I was like, it's a bear that does cocaine. It was spoiled before you got there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just every everybody's perfectly cast. I mean, I was I loved I loved seeing Jesse Tyler Ferguson get to his death. Like, that was great. But Isaiah (laughs) Whitlock. Isaiah Whitlock again. It was just—he's so awesome, and you know, yeah. Everybody expects him to be this great dramatic actor, and he is. But he—he can be so funny when he wants to be, and that just him having that—that floofy dog. I mean, that could be like a a really terrible tossed-off joke, but he sells that so brilliantly. (laughs) Just that little thing, totally off to the side, but it fills out the character so well. And the more I talk about this, the more fun it is. 
<laughs> Maybe it does live up oh. to hype. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you can just sit here and just talk about moments from this movie that are just ingenious, <laughs> just little little additions, little things like the the horror movie twist of like finally you get to root for the bear at the end. Like that was great. <laughs> what a choice. Yeah, because you kind of want to root for the bear, but at the same time they've set up these characters who aren't entirely hateable. Uh, and then they give you one moment where you get to root for the bear. Like, yes, cool. Well, there's absolutely nothing that you can say to take away from the movie. You know, there's nothing wrong with this. Everything about it is what it's supposed to be, what it needs to be for this movie. Uh, it's a, there are negative reviews out there, which kind of surprised me. The number yeah. of people who are able, just the number of cranks who are just just able to find flaw with anything. You know, like it's a movie called Cocaine Bear. What were you looking for going in? <laughs> they probably have, were looking for high art. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see like sequels, like the bad news cocaine bears, that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cocaine bear two, the kid, the 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 baby bears are still fiends, <laughs> searching yeah. the world for cocaine. They're going into the unit, going out into the world, searching for cocaine. For cocaine, they're withdrawing. <laughs> All right. Excuse me. Sorry. I feel like it's all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gave you that impression. <laughs> Our classic is good. Yeah, I guess. It, uh, sure. If you say so. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get I, to it. I was talking with just the new movies, but uh, Jesus Revolution. Jesus Revolution is a uh, is a terrible film about a real thing that happened in the early late 1960s, early 1970s. Jesus kind of made a comeback amongst a group of hippies in California. They claim that that movement spread across the country, blah, blah, blah. But you know, realistically, this is just about burnishing the reputations of a couple of guys who were you know important to that movement. A uh, character played by Kelsey Grammer. And another character played by Jay Courtney, who are still, I guess, still around today. Uh, but realis- realistically, this is just a lot of lies built on lies to just make these guys seem better than they are. It's realistic because within 10 years of this story, the character Kelsey Grammer plays Chuck Smith. He's portrayed as this you know, guy who hated hippies and then came to love hippies and created this movement. Within 10 years, he's professing the end of the world on the 700 Club because there's too much sin on the planet. What happened to your fucking Jesus revolution, asshole? If if your Jesus revolution was so great, then why are you saying the world's coming to an end, you know? Like, it's just total bullshit. And that's what the movie is. It's just about creating this this guy, Lonnie Frisbee, who was a real guy, a real hippie, who thought he was a healer and kind of a drug addict and kind of a potentially... You know, mentally ill becomes the the de facto leader of this movement. Gets kicked out of the movement for being for being too much of a cult leader, and then they try and blame everything on him. Anything problematic as part of this Jesus revolution was blamed on him because he was the drug addict and he was the weirdo and he was the this and that. And the other two guys, they're not problematic at all. They're they're Jesus loving Christians who are great, uh, which is just maybe just not true because they were very hateful and the movement that they led led to a lot more hate as much as they talk about love and Jesus's love and all this bullshit. They just, you know, like I said, he became this end of the world prophecy asshole within 10 years of this shit, which they don't tell you in the movie because of course they don't. 
And the idea that 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 Kelsey Grammer is the guy you choose to play <laughs> the man who embraces the hippie movement. <laughs> Come on. Like that is just taking the piss at that point. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible I walked, idea. I walked by the theater on Thursday and I was like, oh God, is this some of those pure flicks pieces of shit? <laughs> and it's pure flicks adjacent. You telling me that Kelsey Grammer is that it does nothing to dispel my thoughts that it might be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad in all the ways you expect. It's competent in terms of production, in terms of like actual production. There's, I can't go like, I can't point to like severe flaws in the filmmaking or anything, or in the, even the editing. The acting is all you know professional level, but the story itself is just trying to. It's just make believe about how great these guys are. Okay, what about Linoleum? Linoleum stars Jim Gaffigan and Ray Seahorn. Uh Jim Gaffigan plays a guy who hosts a small-time uh kids science show, uh but he dreams of being an astronaut then one day he sees a car drop out of the sky and inside is a guy who looks a lot like him, which is very weird. That guy comes along and uh, survives falling out of the sky uh, and uh, takes his job. Turns out he's a scientist and he's done everything that Jim Gaffigan's character has ever wanted to do, including being an astronaut, and he takes Jim Gaffigan's job. And Jim Gaffigan, meanwhile, is also losing his wife, played by Ray Seahorn, and kind of everything's going wrong for him. And slowly but surely, they're unraveling this story that begins to meld three different stories into one and it is it, it's really kind of elegant and beautiful the way that they do it, the way that characters sort of meld into each other. Like it, they they foreshadow it when you see the Jim Gaffigan characters, these two people that Jim Gaffigan is playing is foreshadowing the idea of what's coming later on. But you don't even realize it while it's happening until it gets there. And you're just kind of like that was kind of beautiful how it got there. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is tremendous in this film. It's not its not a comedic role, but he's bringing a sort of comedic element to it just from being Jim Gaffigan and having that sort of comedic persona. And it lightens everything. So what might be an overbearing art picture with another actor becomes something that's much more accessible because he's there and he's so relatable. And I really I, I really love that aspect of it. And I could say the same thing about Ray Seahorn, who's you know well-known... Uh, in the comedy circles as well. Uh, she, again, is also kind of bringing that more everyman style to a character that, again, a movie that, again, could be very arty uh, in in other hands. And that was a really, really smart casting, two really uh, committed actors who are, are just cast extremely well. Uh, this is a really terrific movie, and I wish people got, got the chance to see it. Is it streaming at all, or is it a limited release kind of thing? Limited limited theatrical release at the moment. Not sure when the streaming is going to come. It's going to be soon enough, I'm sure. But it, this is a really terrific movie, and, and it deserves a, a wide audience. Did you see a screener of it? Because I yeah. looked for it, and I couldn't find Okay. Yeah, I'm a critic, so I get the screeners. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed Jesus Revolution. <laughs> we didn't have to watch that. <laughs> All right, our undisputed classic this week is An American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London, 1981, directed by John Landis, starring David Naughton and uh, Griffin Dunn. 
uh, the story of a couple of Americans who go on a, a backpacking trip in England uh, in the moors and end up being attacked by a werewolf. One of them is killed. The other one takes on the curse of the werewolf. And man, I this movie for me just does not hold up in terms of the I, I get the, the reputation about the effects and the gore. And those are impressive. There's there's never that's never not going to be impressive. What Rick Baker does. Rick Baker is a genius. And and his creations are incredible. The problem with this movie is David Naughton, who is just this chasm of emptiness, this lack, of, this complete lack of charisma, sitting at the center of the movie. Uh, and and John Landis's story choices when he's not featuring, uh, you know, Rick Baker's effects, he's basically just kind of weirdly inventing these scenes that are going absolutely nowhere. Especially this dead on arrival romance between uh, David Naughton and. Uh, Nurse Alex, she's doing everything she can to try and make him more interesting uh, at Jenny Agater. Uh, she's terrific, but she can't make him more interesting. And because he's the center of the film, it just kept falling flat for me. I never felt engaged. I never I was never scared. It's certainly never really very funny. Gr- Griffin Dunn is amusing in terms of the like the the juxtaposition of the the gore makeup by Rick Baker and his sort of uh, nonchalance in his line delivery, that juxtaposition is humorous, but I never laughed. And I thought the movie seemed to be going for a weirdly horror comic tone, but never really reaching it. And I just, the, the tone is off the, the just, just other, anything that's not Rick Baker's makeup and effects really just did not work for me in this. You want me to go next, Jeff? Oh, you can. So I can, calm down a little bit no i'm just kidding Go ahead. <laughs> i actually liked it quite a bit uh i i think the rick baker stuff's enough to make, to make this whole movie good uh i didn't have a problem with i really didn't have a problem with anything i i just i thought it was a solid competent film i i the further and further i get away from john landis the more i think he's kind of a creep but I think this movie itself, I, I think it holds up, and I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty entertaining and interesting. Yeah, I, this is a, it's a comedy first and foremost. It really is. It's not, it's not a horror movie. It's a comedy kind of based on those, you know, the fifties and sixties horror movies that we look at now and kind of giggle at. And I think you, if you approach it as at that it's it more effective um as a straight up horror movie it's not very interesting there are really really horrific moments in it like when he starts to change into the werewolf he really sells the pain and the what the fuck is happening to me um griffin dunn the makeup on that is <laughs> phenomenal um i've i i struggle like i'm i'm coming up with new sticker designs all the time and that's what i want to do but i just it's like which one do i do do i do the fresh kill or do i do the interim one or do i do the puppet at the end where it's just you know flapping skull or (laughs) you know it's just it's so it's so well done um the the dream sequences where you know he's a vampire and he's his family's being killed by nazi werewolves or demons you know, and that's that's one thing too that's like you don't really realize it until that scene. 
that he's Jewish. So a lot of this, you know, like the Catholic imagery that you see in some of the old Wolfman movies doesn't necessarily apply. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, I will always love this movie and I don't, but I don't see it as a, as a horror movie that's trying to be a horror comedy. I think it's a comedy with some horrific elements. And I think that that and the makeup is what really makes it a classic. Yeah. And I, I guess I found it amusing. Uh, I, it's, I, I'm not going to go back and laugh out loud because I just, I can watch a funny movie, never actually laugh and find it funny. If that yeah, makes sense. Same here. And that's what I kind of felt like this was. I thought whenever, I don't know his name, is it Griffin Dunn? Whenever he was on his, screen i thought that was entertaining and funny and amusing uh but I, I don't know i just i i did enjoy it i just i can't get past david Naughton. i find him to be an incredibly bland and boring actor um and some of the choices like i thought the nazi werewolf shooting thing dream sequence was just random i uh, it just didn't i that was just kind of just kind of looking sideways at that scene it didn't really didn't do anything for me. Uh, and that's, and then of course, yeah, the, the romance. Uh, I was reading a thing where they were like, the sex scene between him and Jenny Agater was supposed to be longer. And I'm like, it's already like pretty random. <laughs> Making it longer is not going to make it any better. Uh, yeah, this just didn't work for me. Fair enough. I, I, it's not high art by any means. And he's not an actor that, you know, he did a sitcom after that and then kind of went off into obscurity. And I don't think he's, you know, I think he's, he's attractive and earnest. And I think that's all you really need to be in this movie. Yeah, and there is some iconic scenes in this movie, which I, I think definitely pushes it over the edge for me. Yeah. Anything else on an American werewolf in London? We have three movies from 1993. Uh, I didn't watch. Uh, I've never actually <laughs> seen El Mariachi. Is that good? It's an incredible movie. Like the, the lots of artful violence and incredibly sexy, uh, sexy movie. Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. Uh, Robert Rodriguez directs violence incredibly well. At least he did then you know, before <laughs> Planet Terror. Uh, <laughs> he, that, that movie's yeah that movie's got a it's bathed in cool it's got a great tone and and yes the violence is impactful and you, yeah you just kind of you just kind of get immersed in the cool of it more than anything yeah then there was falling down <laughs> yeah falling. oh boy <laughs> what a movie that doesn't hold up you know the 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 1993 teenage fascist in me really enjoyed it at the oh, time. I, uh, I loved it. I just I remember like this guy's kind of like my dad, and then I watch it now and I hate it. I'm like this guy's kind of like my dad. <laughs> I watched this movie today for the very first yeah. time. Oh man! <laughs> Holy fucking shit! The whole like the first. You know, when he <laughs> decides that he's just going to beat up this random Korean dude because he's Korean. I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but there's no way you can be on this guy's side. There's absolutely no way from the start of this movie 
you're like, oh, what's going on? You know, because he's stuck in his car. And we've all been there, especially in L.A. I've driven in L.A. I've been in some, you know, not that bad of a situation on that hot of a day or anything like that. But the traffic there is horrible. And you just get to the point where you're just like, calm the fuck on. However, him going like the first thing he does is like have a racist attack on a Korean guy who won't give him change just because he wants it. The This is like if white privilege was a movie, <laughs> it's this fucking movie. Um, I, I like Michael Douglas mm-hmm. as an actor. And I think he, his performance in this was really good, but the character is so irredeemable and you, they try to give you those little outs where you're, be, where you can say, Hey, you know what? Maybe he's not so bad. Maybe he just love. No, he doesn't even love his kid. He just wants to control his kid. And it's just yeah, that's such a good point. Gross. That's such a good point too. And I, I think what they're what they're failing there is like this desire to make him relatable versus making him real. Because realistically, this is a guy who's going there to murder his wife and child, and yeah. he's rebel. Seemingly, Douglas's performance is rebelling against that idea. And I understand where he's coming from in trying to do that, but it it muddles the ending a little bit by doing that. Uh, where where it should be a much more clearer kind of black and white idea that Duval is right and he's wrong. That should be much more black and white in that scenario. Uh, making that gray is a little bit like you're trying to give that character an out, like you said. I'll, the thing about the Nazi too, where he kills the Nazi guy, the racist, homophobic Nazi guy. Like he, it's trying to make you feel like maybe he's not that bad a guy, you know, because he's certainly not as bad as this guy that he's about to kill. And it's like you're you're you're, you're stacking the deck here. Uh, in a way that doesn't make any sense. I thought for a minute that, you know, the the Nazi guy, he's like, Get, you know, faggot this and faggot that, pardon me, but... Um, and I thought for a second that that's what was going to, you know, set him off. Like, hey, these guys are just trying to, you know, live their lives. You don't have to be that way. Oh, but no. <laughs> of course, the Nazi guy is homophobic because he secretly craves cock and ass. And... That's what sets Michael Douglas off is the fact that he might get fucked by this Nazi. And it's just so everything about it is just so gross. It's just, you know, like the Robert Duvall character, of course, he's going to retire. Of course, it's his last day. And this happens. But nothing really happens with it. He's like 15 minutes of the movie. He's dealing with it. And that's about it. You know, it's like it doesn't. It's not that it's not that he has any sort of connection other than seeing this guy's car at the beginning and being in the mm-hmm. same um, traffic jam. It's uh, he should have some sort of connection to it, you know, like, oh, maybe this guy helped him out years before on a case or you know, something, something that just doesn't make any sense that he's the cop that gets stuck in it. I, I just I don't know. The performances were really good. The movie in the direction just was just not i did however like the the giant ass uh sir mix a lot ass that made a cameo <laughs> in this one scene. that was nice that was nice to see very very 1993 that uh the the shoemaker has that in there <laughs> the only drawback i had with duvall i thought duvall was great in this is that that whole subplot about him and his wife 
is just setting up like one of those old jokes about about how oh those wives keep getting in the men's way oh you know those dumb wives it's like that 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 was overplayed badly uh, at the end I thought and uh, that other than that though I thought I thought Duvall really was delivering actually the better performance in the movie because again I feel like Michael Douglas is compromising aspects of his performance trying to make this guy somebody who's maybe an anti-hero and he's not he's not an anti-hero he's a guy who's having a psychotic break who's on his way to kill his wife and child that's the story stop trying to make him likable stop trying to make him relatable stop trying to make him an anti-hero he's not an anti-hero but that's and I think go ahead Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's that's why I think this movie needs to be studied <laughs> because it explains a lot about what's going on right now and then the so last true. six or seven years. Uh, they thought he was an anti-hero. I mean, there's, <laughs> clearly that's not the right answer, but that's what their intent was, not just Michael Douglas, the whole everybody involved with this. And that's part of why people liked it when it came out and the people that liked it when it came out that can't look back at it now as problematic or problematic themselves and it's <laughs> i don't know i think there's a lot to be learned yeah. from this movie uh, like the yeah. like you're talking about the scene the scene with the uh, korean grocer and it's like uh oh yeah the you, you, they're fist pumping when they say it no oh, that should be it's not 85 cents it's 50 cents that's not a dollar 50 that's 79 cents like they're cheering was he's as he's breaking up the store to teach this guy a lesson about what america really is yep. stop jacking up your prices korean guy or even in the you know, fast that, food restaurant where they're just like, can't we all yeah. relate to our burgers not looking like the picture? And <laughs> and everybody, I uh, just, uh, the audience so, back then. Yeah, go ahead. This is, it's kind of like, this movie kind of encapsulated how I like to explain the uh, Joe Rogan to far mm-hmm. all right pipeline. <laughs> where you listen to Joe Rogan, not all of his ideas are bad. And sometimes you kind of get, oh, yeah, I am just asking questions. And, you know, I'm kind of just curious about this kind of stuff. And he makes some good points in the movies. Like, you know, I'm just sitting here and you guys are coming up and, you know, tell me I'm trespassing on this shitty little hill. And, you know, yeah, you're, you, you could give me this, this soda for 50 cents as opposed to 89 cents just to help me out or give me change to help me out. You know, I am, it's a compromise kind of thing. Yeah. There are some good points. However, how do you deal with those points? You bash this guy's store to death. You murder these, like (laughs) everybody. You're just, it's just, (laughs) it's, it's that, it's that he makes some good points, but yeah. But so that's the I fantasy just, for these people is that. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they think it's real. It's more of a f- fantasy for them, but it's still, they get way too excited about it. And yeah, and you're right. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but you're right. The Joe Rogan far right. That is the audience, <laughs> that meathead kind of. I'll say it. <laughs> you know, I'll say like, Well, it's, it's okay. So it's like. It's the Yal Qaeda and the yep. the guys who think that they're gonna take the go- take over the government mm-hmm. by having fifteen like machine guns and AK forty sevens and AR fifteens and whatever they want to collect. They're not gonna you're not gonna take over shit, dude. And that it's just fantasy. It's you know it's like 
it's just and it's feeding into those fantasies where these guys who think that because they have no consequences up until this point for like i don't know saying the n-word you know they think oh i've never you know i i've i can't say it now i can say it awesome this is like great i can you know i have free speech now you always had free speech, but you're not free of consequences. And they, they yeah. see a guy like defense <laughs> and they're like, oh, he really doesn't have any consequences until the very end. He can get away with shit. Let's do that. It's it's ridiculous. It's, it's the, the crowd is like the this crowd of people who thinks that their casual racism makes them edgy heroes and not just racists. <laughs> right? <laughs> they say it. Why can't I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Uh, I live in a small town, so I hear it a lot right now. <laughs> really annoying. Uh, but I don't know. Then there's Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, it's a sequel to Evil Dead 2, where, in which Ash is sent back in time to uh, medieval times, where he encounters a, a kingdom. Not that the is- restaurant. He encounters a kingdom that's trying to get its hands on the uh, the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon, so they can lift a curse or whatnot. It, it's just about Bruce Campbell being cool and Bruce Campbell being funny and some some terrifically low budget uh, throwback effects uh, like these um, these amazing skeleton uh, this amazing skeleton army that's very funny looking, very low budget, very low rent, but uh, it just it's such a it's such a proud tone it's so proud of being as low budget and weird as it is and i just that that get kind of hits the sweet spot of uh of horror comedy for me and the way that they present the the gore and the and that uh the loving homage of that throwback uh horror stuff uh, bruce campbell for me is just he's such a he's such the kind of hero that i look for in a movie like this he's got the he's got the that charisma that I'm looking for. He's got that presence. It's very weird. Jeff, I was actually talking, telling this, uh, talk, we talked about army of darkness for the, for the 93 podcast. That'll be out later this week. And I was saying that he's the kind of guy who could deliver that Marlowe dialogue. that Liam Neeson failed at Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell does. That's kind of his cadence. That's kind of the way he talks in this movie. And he kind of, he kind of has that throwback 1930s, 1940s uh, hero. And and it really works for this material, and it would have worked actually for that material, honestly. Uh, well, you know what? And if you're playing, if you're going to play Marlowe at that age, he's the right age. Absolutely. I wish that would have happened. <laughs> There's a wonderful alternate universe where that happened. <laughs> but it's hard to not laugh when Bruce Campbell's on. I mean, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of perfect for this. I mean, he's willing to, he's also, that's another thing. He's like a guy who is willing to be the joke. Like he's not, he doesn't have to be the coolest guy. He's cool, but he doesn't have to be cool. And he, he's willing to look like a complete dork. Uh, the, there's the great scene where he's fighting himself in the movie, or he's fighting little versions of himself. And he's willing to look dumb. Uh, you know, I, I Like I talk about this uh, when I'm writing about wrestling. Uh, where where you'll talk about a guy who's willing to be the guy who gets beat, and he's willing to you know lay down for the other guy, put him over, and make him look good. And Bruce Willis is willing to do that for the people he's fighting. He's willing to make them look good at his expense. That is a it's a it's a wonderful quality that not a lot of actors have. 
He meant Bruce Campbell, people listening at home. Not yeah. Bruce, not, <laughs> not Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, Bruce Willis is not another not cameo willing. like Bridget Fonda. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is, I mean, I will forever try to like everything Sam Raimi does because of these movies. I know not everything's good, but uh, he, he's so perfect in this world that I just want him to always be successful no matter what uh but army darkness is so much fun you a fan of the evil duds army darknesses jeff um i'm a fan of evil dead and evil dead 2 more so um i was never like a sword and sandals kind of guy so the medieval stuff always threw me yeah uh, so when this came out and I went to see it, I was like, oh, okay, get it. It's comedy. It's not, a, you know, I thought it was going to be a horror movie, kind of like the first one. And no, not really. And I guess I should have known the poster. Of, it's like a romance novel. So you should know <laughs> that going into this, that it's just, it's comedy. But this was my least favorite of the Evil Dead movies um, until the remake, <laughs> which unpopular opinion. Um but I'm, I'm, you know, looking forward to the new one. I mean, I agree the with you. One. I think the yeah, remake's the worst of the four. But uh, I don't know. I this is my introduction to the Evil Dead's uh, was through this movie, so I, I have kind of a soft spot for that reason. And I, they uh, missed their chance. Well, Universal told them they couldn't call it the Medieval Dead, which I probably would like <laughs> it a little more. That would have been a great title. Uh, it's a, it would have been a great title. Uh, I I like the Evil Dead remake. Uh, it, I think it's pretty good. It's not as good as obviously as the first two. There, nothing's going to live up to the, the craziness of how they made those first two movies. Uh, the but I I I'm a little worried about the the new Evil Dead movie. Like it looks a little almost a little too serious. <laughs> like a little bit too taking this a little too seriously. That's kind of holding me back on that one because I I need that that touch of absurdity that the that the original two have that uh, really like really put those over the top for me yeah i mean i'll go see it i'm curious but yeah you never know uh anything else on army of darkness like i said the uh, 93 podcast will be out later this week with uh, amy and mj and i and uh, lots of sam raimi talk on there and uh, of course yeah and uh all setting up to uh, our next episode, which will be best of the best too. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to do. Oh, uh, yeah, we were thinking about it a lot because this is like the third good movie in a row that we watched, and we had a you know we've had fun talking about good movies, but I think it's our our wheelhouse has proven to be bad movies when we were making the best episodes. So we thought best of the best too, it, just in case Swing Kids isn't as terrible as we need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Also next week we got Creed Three, Operation Fortune, Palm Trees and Power Lines, and The Burial. Other ninety-three movies: Amos and Andrew, Mad Dog and Glory, and Shadow of the Wolf. In addition to Swing Kids and Best of the Best Two, we don't have a classic yet. We're hoping we stumble upon one <laughs> during <laughs> Flick Chart, unless Jeff thought of one before we went live. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna. I've got a couple that might be brewing inside my head somewhere. 
right. Okay. So, let's start off flick chart. We got Anchorman 2 and Congo. It's it's interesting. It's a tough choice here because Congo is almost as funny as Anchorman 2 for all the wrong reasons, but I'm still going to I just because I like uh I like Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd together. I just I'll go there for that one. Yeah, I'll take that. Me too. The Wolf of Wall Street High School <laughs> Musical. <laughs> I guess the Wolf of Wall Street. That's High School Musical. The for only. Me. <laughs> the only part I understand of the feeling. The Wolf of Wall Street that I absolutely love because I'm not a Leonardo DiCaprio fan, just in general. The scene where they're in the car and it's like it's taken them three hours to get in the door and it's really just like. 30 seconds <laughs> that's that's what redeems it for me but i i've that, never that seen one me. that one scene is better than high school musical i think for me that's true well if it was high school musical three i would definitely <laughs> go high school musical was too straight to disney uh spanglish rushmore rushmore but i don't hate spanglish yeah i would say rushmore i agree Main Streets, The Young Girls of whatever that says. Rochefort, never seen it. It's a wonderful film, but yeah, if you you guys have seen it, go ahead and skip it. Um, Main Streets, The Other Guys. Main Streets, but uh, The Other Guys is pretty funny. Yeah, The Other Guys is a movie I don't hate Will Ferrell in. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, my favorite thing that Will Ferrell has ever done is the Davenport, Iowa commercials. Yeah. <laughs> but Those are pretty great. I did like him and the other guys. I'm going to pick the other guys just just to see what Bob says. That's Main Streets, but I do like the other guys. <laughs> Baby Mama, Make Mine Music. Never seen Make Mine Music. Baby Mama to Die For. To Die For. Yeah. Did you know that Baby Mama came out the weekend it came out as counter-programming to The Force Awakens? <laughs> yes, I did know that because we made a big deal on the podcast about it because I, I didn't want to go to Force Awakens. <laughs> but now that you say that, I remembered that. Yep. And I still want The Force Awakens because Sean got us free I can just, I can picture, I can picture Tina Fey going, oh, fuck. <laughs> and Amy Poehler going, okay, well, you know what? Let's try it. Okay, let's. And I saw it. Mabel at the Wheel, Incredibles 2. That's a chaplet I haven't seen, unfortunately. What about Bob, Incredibles 2? You guys take this one. I hate both those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate uh, Incredibles I 2 less. <laughs> yeah. I can't Fair imagine enough. why, because I'm sure everybody says, what about Bob? Since what about Bob is just obnoxious. Every I actually movie. I I actually ordered food at a drive thru the other day and I I would just been talking about that stupid fucking line in twenty one Jump Street. My name is Jed. <laughs> everybody says that to me. It was old like before everybody started doing it. And this guy at the drive thru, when I gave him my name, he did it, and I was like, you know uh, what? I want my money back. <laughs> they wouldn't give me my money back, by the way. That's funny. <laughs> Every teacher I've had since 1991 asked me if I've seen uh, it. 
God. From grade school to junior high to high school to college. It didn't matter. <laughs> At some point, somebody would ask, what about Bob? Uh, Paul or SWAT? Paul. Love Paul. Terribly yeah. underrated movie. Yes. Yeah, definitely Paul. Miller's Crossing, 10 Things I Hate About You. Miller's Crossing, but I love 10 Things. It's a great movie. I love Miller's Crossing, but I have never seen 10 Things I Hate About You. I recommend it. It's very good. Nope. Uh, do we see Disorder in Court? No. Slapshot or Charlie Wilson's War? I don't I don't. Care. Yeah, really. I mean, Charlie Wilson's award doesn't live up to what it should be. It should be a better movie than it is. Slapshot, I think, is desperately overrated, but mostly because of the people who like it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure where to go on that. So I'm going to say Slapshot. For a while, that was my movie, you know, like my comedy, because mm-hmm. uh, I lived on a floor with a bunch of hockey players in college. Um. So we watched that about every weekend. That was that I changed my mind in my movie. My my comedy then was uh, they, some of my friends like Spinal Tap, and I decided to change it to The Man with Two Brains instead <laughs> of Slapshot. So. But Slapshot, I'll pick Slapshot. Fair enough. I can go with that. The whole ten yards. End game. Nineteen eighty three. I've never seen End Game. Nineteen eighty three. Watch it be Avengers End Game. No. The whole ten yards, the Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Bernie Hot Fuzz. Bernie. Yeah, Bernie. Because I think I Hot Fuzz is yeah not not a favorite at all. Uh, Bad Boys Two, the Hot Chick. Oh, good oh. God! Just God. kill me. Yeah. <laughs> really? No. no. <laughs> they're both. They're hey. both awful. They're both miserable films. I, oh, God. I mean, I guess Bad Boys is maybe just a hair less miserable, but they're both miserable. Gun in my head, Bad Boys too. I think hate Rob Schneider. hate everything about yeah, him. He's Always just have. the worst. The only good thing ever to come out of him was his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Captain Phillips, D2, The Mighty Ducks. That's tough. <laughs> Captain Phillips. Uh, ca- yeah, Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Listen to Millie West of Us say that in D2. D2. <laughs> uh, we still haven't found a classic yet. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Saved? <sighs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Saved is an amazingly good movie. I'm going to say Saved because I... After watching *Inglorious Bastards*, the ending of *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, where it's just Quentin Tarantino wishful thinking, that bugged me. So I'm going to go with *Saved*. I understand that, but I still really liked it. Oh, I know. I'm, I know. I know. I'm losing that one. Trust me. You don't. I mean, maybe understand. But after *Midsummer*, like I didn't want to watch movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until once by time in Hollywood that I was like, okay, this not that it's as good, but it at least was entertaining enough to bring me back. I understand. Tombstone or Secret Window. Man, Secret that's tough. Window. I'm I'm so torn on this. Um 
I'll go Tombstone just to make you call it, but I like Secret Window a lot. I'm going to go Secret Window. On I think I just, yeah, I think I would watch that again. Uh, not that I wouldn't watch Tomb, Tombstone again, but. Hellraiser, 1987, The, machi- the machina- Machinist, 2004. They're both miserable. Oh, you guys. Hellraiser. <laughs> Hell Ra- I mean, come on, Hellraiser. It introduced the Cenobites. <laughs> I. Good I fucking. Couldn't get into Hellraiser. I, we tried really hard. Uh, Rat Race or Doctor Doolittle Two. <laughs> Fishing with Gandhi. <laughs> which, which one of those two is a, is the classic next week? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Just Married Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. By the way, I didn't choose anything for the people listening at home. <laughs> uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah, sure. Star Wars, The Fourth <laughs> Force Awakens, Breathless. Breathless. I will be the only person just to say it, just so it gets a vote, <laughs> The Force Awakens. I love The Force Awakens. I do. Breathless. But breathless is breathless. <laughs> Les Mis, the bench warmers. Les Mis. Les Mis. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the interview. Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Mystic River, Mario Brothers. Mystic Ooh, River. That's tough. <laughs> I get you. I, I'm with you. I understand. <laughs> Mystic River. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for some of the performances, yeah, that was a yeah. that, that was a disappointing <laughs> movie yeah, it going was. back to. Problem Child, Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Yeah, definitely. Snap out of it. A Quiet Place, Hugo. A Quiet Place. Hometown Heroes, A Quiet Place. I guess. <laughs> Nine Lives, Out of Sight. I just want a classic to pop up. Uh, uh, it's out of sight, yeah, obviously. Right. Uh, well, yeah, definitely out of sight. <laughs> Parasite, Young Guns. Parasite. Parasite. Three Billboards, Touch of Evil. Mm. Mm. Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. What a movie. Yeah. yeah. Saw Ridge, Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Oh, that's the least of the Harold and Kumar movies. I have never seen either one of those. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's uh, Harold and Kumar, I guess. I, I don't really remember whether or not I liked Hacksaw Ridge or not, honestly. I thought you did. I've completely forgotten about I Maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at my review later and we'll see. Horton Hears a Who, John Q. Uh, John Q. doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Any classic ideas? Because this isn't going anywhere anytime fast. <laughs> <laughs> Ten things I hate about you. <laughs> I love that movie. Did Jeff, you say you've never seen it? I, I've never seen it. All right. Can do do you want to yeah. see it? <laughs> Sure, as long as I don't have to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Works for me. 
All right. That was our show. Everybody have a good night. Night. See ya. Bye.